Well, good morning. Everybody turn around and stare at all those people out there. Everybody's congregating. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's a wonderful sign. We absolutely love seeing the church just filled with people. It is a wonderful day. God is just so wonderful to all of us. Let us stand, rise, sing our praises to him. Let him know how good he is. And if you need it, just let him allow, allow him to fill your cup.
Praise the Lord. That's a good song. Psalm 37, 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so blessed to come together this morning. We thank you for that opportunity. Lord, we're thankful that whether times are good or times are bad, you're there with us. And Father, I pray this morning that we can just rejoice in the salvation we can have in you and that we have in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us today at First Christian because we're here to lift up Christ together. We're hopefully here to help bring, I don't know, a little joy in your life, a little bit of, of you know, some, a little bit of relief from things that are going on around you because we have a lot of things swirling at times. At this time, before we continue with our song service, please make sure you fill out your connection card for us. If you are um, watching us online, you, you've got a little number at the bottom of your screen that you can do that with, and we would really appreciate it so we can keep contact with you. At this time, we're going to turn it back to the band.
if our feet are on the rock, we better be moving those feet and doing what he's telling us to do. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory, not to us, but to your Father in heaven.
And here is one of those great wonders. Ephesians 1, 7 tells us, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace.
That'll wake you up. Hopefully this won't put you to sleep. So, <laughs> How many of us here today believe that God is in control? Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. Well, I was more enthusiastic than the first service. It's easy to trust God is in control when things are going well, when things are firing on, on all cylinders, when things are going the way that you want them to and you plan them to, right? Man, I mean, praise the Lord when the stars align and that happens. What about when that's not the case? Can you, with the same enthusiasm, shout out a big amen when things are seemingly not going well? not firing on all cylinders and not going the way you planned is god still in control can i get an enthusiastic amen, amen. about the same but that was probably a little more fake because you know but <laughs> habakkuk was in a position where he was he was questioning if god was paying attention to all the evil that not the world was doing but god's people were doing and he was really confused he saw the things that were going on, and he was just crying out to God, thankfully, that he was doing this, and questioning God. And, of course, what we've learned from that is it's okay to question God. It's okay to take your real heart to him. You don't have to put on this fake smile and say, hey, everything's good. Habakkuk wondered why God wasn't doing anything about what was happening around him. 
I've asked this question of many people, but do you believe God's in control? And many times the answer is this, I do, but. Huh. See, you either believe he's in control or you don't. Period. There's no gray here. This is one of those black and whites. You either believe God is in control or you don't. See, Habakkuk saw the world around him, his people, God's chosen people, not the, not the pagan nations, but God's people. And he wondered, God, what's up? So God gives Habakkuk an answer. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But the problem with the answer is Habakkuk didn't like it for obvious reasons. And it just brought more questions. It's like, God, how can you do this? How can you take people who are more evil than your people and use them to punish Israel? Questions, questions, questions. One of the goals of our faith should be to trust God, to trust that he has a plan, no matter what we see going on before us. That's hard to do. Habakkuk is watching everything going on around him, and he, he's struggling here. When he's crying out to God, it's not just some, hey, God, what's going on? This dude, it's ripping his soul. It's breaking his heart to see what's going on. See, you have to either believe that God is, that God is involved or he's not. How can we get to the point in our lives when we are pondering that question or asking the question if God is in control? How can we get to the point where we say, yes, he is, amen, no matter what is happening around us? How do we get there? Because that's where we need to be. How can we know that God is in control and has a plan <laughs> and keep that in the forefront of our thoughts even when things aren't going well? Today we're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 through 16, and we're going to glean some principles that I hope will help us when we're in those seasons where we're really doubting to help us get, get our thoughts where they should be. So our big idea this morning of the message is remembering God's faithfulness in the past is a key to navigating difficult seasons. Seeing God's faithfulness in the past in our lives and in the lives of others encourages us that we can trust him with the present and with the future. So let's open the word together. We're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to begin with verses 1 and 2, and here's where, it go. Here's where we go. This is the prayer, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. Lord, I have heard the report of what you did, and I am awed, Lord, by what you accomplished. In our time, repeat those deeds. In our time, reveal them again. But when you cause turmoil, remember to show us mercy. So if you're going to get to a point in life that no matter what you see, no matter what you're experiencing, and it doesn't mean that you like it, doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it, but it means that you know that God is in control, that he has a plan, that he has a purpose. The first thing you have to be able to do is remember who God is. This is so important. Habakkuk begins by acknowledging God's sovereignty and his power. When we lose sight of, God, of who God is, we forget what he can do. When you lose sight of who God is, you can forget what he can do. What situation are you facing right now that you would say that God is in control and has a plan, but, yeah, I believe God is in control and has a plan, but, what situation are you facing that is bigger than God? See, that but 
is bigger than God. Because instead of just saying, God is in control, you got to throw in, but you don't understand. It's kind of like when you apologize. I apologize for that, but you just negated the apology. And the same is true with the situations you're facing. I know God's in control, but what situation in your life have you written off God because it looks so bad? Is it your marriage? Is it a friendship? Is it something going on at work? What is it? What is it in your life that you've written off, you've written God off because you think your problem's too big for God? It's just too bad. See, Habakkuk looked around him, and he wondered, God, where are you? And he was starting to surmise that, well, God, you just don't care. But what we must understand, and this is paramount, this is, this is so important for us to remember who God is, is because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And when you lose sight of that, you forget what he's done, what he can do, and what he will do. Because your problem, your situation, is bigger than God. And that but becomes your God. B-U-T. I have to clarify that. So that becomes your God because it's bigger than anything in your life. And here's the thing, and we'll see this through the message. Despite the circumstances, we can find peace and strength knowing he's in control. You're not going to be shielded from, nor will many times you like the circumstances. And let's, let's, say, let's just for a moment think about this. You're going through something terrible, okay? You're going through something terrible. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks, and you don't think that God can do anything. Isn't that encouraging? Doesn't that bring you peace, thinking God can't do a thing about it? But when you realize that God can do anything, he's God, that he's bigger than what you're dealing with, even if it crashes and burns, you're going to have a peace because you know that God is still in control. And you can... In, you can, when you face situations hopelessly and helplessly, that's depressing, okay? If my wife said, Jeff, unless you can run the 100-yard dash in, in eight seconds, I'm leaving you. Well, you should better pack her bags because I can't do it. I'm helpless. Bad knee, old age, bad everything. You know, it's all falling apart. I can't do it. Even in my best days, I wasn't capable of that. If I did, I've been an Olympic athlete. But the fact is... When you face something that you see as hopeless and you feel helpless, you're not encouraged, you're not strengthened, you're depressed. But when you know that your God is bigger than what you're dealing with, no matter what it is, you can get peace from that. You may, and the problem, that we, the reason we don't have peace many times is because we're afraid how God's going to work it out. It's not going to work out the way I want it. It's not going to work out the way I planned it. It's not going to work out in my time. See, it's understandable that we face situations that cause us to question. That is normal. That is okay. That's exactly what Habakkuk's doing. And did God flame Habakkuk? Did God tell Habakkuk, oh, you're going to burn in hell, dude. I can't believe you'd question me. See, people get uncomfortably being, uncomfortably being questioned when they lack self-confidence, when they lack self-esteem. So if you question me about something and I'm lacking that self-confidence, I'm going to fire back at you in a bad way. But see, God doesn't have that problem he's big enough as we saw a few weeks ago he's he's a big god that can handle big questions it's important to remember that there is not a situation that you will face that is bigger than god but you also have to understand the answer that's going to come may not be what you want how you want when you want it because god is not me myself and i it's god the father god the son god the holy spirit 
He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is capable of working in ways that surpass our understanding. He sees the big picture. And I talked about this before where, you know, when I used to call pitches for my pitchers, they... I had a plan behind it, and they'd, they'd throw a pitch, and they'd kind of, like, it get hit, and they're like, well, why'd you do that? And, and then later in the game, as they saw the plan unfurl, they understood this is why he was calling that pitch in the first inning, because you're trying to get, you're, you're, you've got a plan. You, you're trying to see the whole game, and see, God sees the whole game. He doesn't just see your current at bat. And when we stand there at the plate, that's all we're focusing on. That's all you can focus on. But see, God can see it all. And so many times we think, well, God can't help, help us. Even in our darkest hour, God's sovereignty remains unchanged. Even in your darkest hour, God's power remains unchanged. Even in your darkest hour, God's power, God's promise remains unchanged. If you find yourself facing an overwhelming situation, I encourage you to take a moment to reflect on God's character. Remind yourself of his faithfulness throughout history and throughout, more importantly, the history of your life. Remember that his love is unwavering, that his wisdom is perfect, and that his plans are for your ultimate goal, for your ultimate good. Instead of writing off God because the situation looks so bad, why don't you choose instead to trust him and seek his guidance? Ask him to help you walk through that valley of the shadow of death that we go through so many times in life. We have to remember that God's perspective is greater than ours. He can bring beauty and redemption even out of the most challenging and difficult circumstances in life. Just as Habakkuk questioned and wrestled with God, bringing your doubts and concerns to God is okay with God. We don't have to go to him with a fake, with a fake smile. How you doing? You, we do this at church. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Oh, my life's falling apart, but I don't want to tell anybody that because if I tell anybody that, they're going to think I'm weak. You can be honest with God. Seek his presence. Allow him to reassure you that he's in control and that he's faithful. In times of uncertainty, hold on, that the hold on to the truth that God is in you and with you. And his plans for your life are ultimately for your good and for his glory. You can find peace, strength, and a renewed trust in God as you remember who he is and lean on his unchanging character. That's what we have to do. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He holds your situation in his capable hands. As Habakkuk starts chapter 3, he starts with a prayer. And what he does, he says, God, man, I've heard about the great stuff you've done. That's, that is awesome. Can you do that now? Can you show that now? But he also understands what God has told him. Remember, God said, the Babylonians, Chaldeans, Neo-Babylonians, all the same, are coming to punish Israel. And so Habakkuk knows this. Habakkuk understands that difficult times are coming. In Christ, we were never promised an easy road. And it's just sometimes, sometimes preachers sell a bill of goods, that health and wealth prosperity garbage, it's not even biblical, and they're sitting here talking about this stuff, and then you look at people like Paul. I guess Paul was a horrible sinner wasn't he? He only wrote most of the New Testament. Big, you know, what's the big deal? But the fact of the matter is, Habakkuk knew difficult times were coming, and you know what he said? He says, God, man, I heard about what you've done. Can you show it? Can you do it now? But then he says, in your wrath, remember mercy. In other words, I know this is going to be tough, 
But remember your promise. Remember your promise. Let's look at verses 3 through 15. It says this. God comes from Tenna, excuse me, Timah, Timon, the, the holy one from Mount Paran. His splendor covers the skies. His earth is full of his glory. He brings, his brightness will be as lightning, a two-pronged lightning bolt flashing from his hands. This is the outward display of his power. Plague will go before him. Pestilence will march right behind him. Man, that sounds like fun. He took his battle position and shook the earth with a mere look. He frightened the nations. The ancient mountains disintegrated. The primeval hills are flattened. His are ancient roads. I saw the tents of Cushion overwhelmed by trouble. The tent curtains of the land in Midian were shaking. Was the Lord mad at the rivers? Were you angry with the rivers? Were you enraged at the sea? Such that you would climb into your horse-drawn chariots, your victorious chariots. Your bow is ready for action. You commission your arrows. You cause flash floods on the earth. When the mountains see you, they shake. The torrential downpour sweeps through. The great deep shouts out. It lifts its hands high. The sun and the moon stand still in their courses. The flash of your arrows drives them away. The bright light of your lightning quick, lightning quick spear. Whoops, sorry about that. Your fear, you, you furiously stomp on the earth and angrily trample the nations. You march out to deliver your people, to deliver your special servant. You strike the leader of the wicked nation, laying him open from the lower body to the neck. That's graphic. You pierce his hands, excuse me, you pierce the heads of his warriors with a spear. They storm forward and scatter us. They shout with joy as if they are plundering the poor with no opposition. But, you're, but you trample on the sea with your horses, on the surging, raging waters. <laughs> so not only do you need to remember who God is, but if you're going to be able to trust that God is in control, you have to recall the past acts of God. You have to look at his past. Now Habakkuk, what he's going to do here, he's going deep into the playbook and God's past actions. A lot of times we use reviews, uh, Google reviews, um, all kinds, you know, uh, Travelos, the, uh, anyway, a bunch of different places you can do reviews on stuff. And I'll, honestly, sometimes I hate them because it's like, oh, this is the greatest hotel ever. And then the next review, this thing was a garbage dump. You know, who do you believe? But anyway, Many people look at reviews when they're choosing a vacation resort, they're choosing a restaurant to eat, a doctor, a plumber, a product, or even a church. We tend to ask friends and those we trust about their experiences. Uh, I've just done that with a recent purchase. I asked some, some friends shared their experience. We're like, hey, we're in. We want to know their experiences, and we want to know the experiences that others have had. Now, why do we do this? We do this because past performance can be an indicator of future results. Now, in investments, that's not true because I'll tell you that on the screen. But in the same way, when we have a great experience with something, what do we typically do? We're typically eager to tell other people about it. If you had a great restaurant or went to a great restaurant, if you had a great vacation place that you went to, you usually tell people about it, don't we? The same is true about our faith. See, the Bible is a story of the redemption of mankind. It's a story of God's holiness and his faithfulness throughout history. We can read the Bible and see faithfulness. 
we can see that he can be trusted. And one of the things that we forget is our testimony is almost as powerful. When I was in personal evangelism class a couple years ago when I was in college, we, we had to write our testimony. And of course, we know the ones that really ooh and ah, it's like, yeah, I was a crack addict and, and I was in the mafia and I killed a bunch, whacked a bunch of people. Sorry, I didn't mess my terminology up. And, you know, I did this and I did that and, you know, I lived in a ditch and now I'm a millionaire. Look at me, you know. And we're like, we just said, wow, that's impressive. But one of the things we learned in personal evangelism class is if you were born in a Christian home, came to Christ at an early point in life, went to Bible college, if you will, or went on to college, and you've lived a faithful life to God, that is impressive. It doesn't sound as flashy as the person who came out of the gutter, literally. But the point is, your testimony has power. And when was the last time you shared what God has done for you with somebody else that's struggling? That's powerful. Yeah, we can get the Bible out and say, hey, here's what it says in Habakkuk, okay? That's cool. But people want to know, well, what's, it done for, what's he done for you? What, and we sing that song, What He's Done. It's so important. What has he done for you? You've got to let people know this. Revelation 12, uh, 12 11 tells us the enemy is overcome by the blood of the lamb, the Christ, the, you know, Christ crucified, and the word of our testimony. And so our testimony has power. Seeing God's faithfulness in the past situations can give us hope for the present, and we can trust him for the future. Habakkuk reflects on the past acts of God, drawing inspiration from Israel's history. Now, in Habakkuk 3, Habakkuk doesn't say, okay, back in the Exodus, and back when we conquered the Promised Land, but this is pretty much, it looks like what he's referring to. He's referring to God's deliverance from the Exodus out of Egypt, through the handing them of the promised land and the fights that they had to go through that, from the defeating of the Midianites through Gideon, among many other things. And Habakkuk says, wow, that's impressive. That is cool. Can we do it now? Can we see it now? And even though he knew what was coming was bad, he could trust that God was in control. Even though Habakkuk would have much rather had God say, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to send the Babylonians in because they're pretty rough people going to send some nicer people in to take care of this okay but he didn't he didn't the exodus the conquest of canaan and all these things reminded the people of how great god was remember what god, remembering what god has done in the past it builds our confidence in his ability to intervene in in our present situation when i was coaching my girls softball team i think i shared this with you before we, we had a very rough start of things, and we started and we played this, ta this team called the Sangamon County Storm, and they blew us away all the time. Man, I tell you what, they beat us like crazy. And when we were 14 and under, we were facing them. And we were playing a doubleheader. The first game of the doubleheader, we played probably one of the worst games we played all year. And then the next game up that night was the Sangamon County Storm. I thought, oh, great. And I'm just sitting here, what am I going to tell these girls? What am I going to tell these girls to get them because they just looked like they had nothing. They looked like they stepped on the field defeated before they, in, in, even in the game we should have won easily. And you know what's funny? That second game, something flipped in them. I want to think it's because of my inspiring speech to them. But something flipped, and guess what? They beat the storm. And you know what? We never lost to them again because they knew they could do it. They knew they could do it, and once they did it, they're like, eh, we can beat them. They're, they're, they're ordinary team. We're as good as they are. And that confidence comes from past victories. When we know that God is there, we know he can intervene, and we know he can help us in our present situation. 
we can take comfort in knowing that the same God who delivered the ancestors will deliver us as well. In verses 3 through 16, he recalls the incredible past of things that God has done. Habakkuk reminds us, himself and us, that God has been faithful in the past generations, that he keeps his promises. He makes a list and he writes them down. The beautiful thing is what he has done can now be remembered by us because Habakkuk wrote them down in the following generations. This is what God meant in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 3 and 2 and 3. It makes it even more powerful when he says, write this down so future generations will know what I did and know what, what I told you to do. And that's what happened, and I think that's really amazing. Let's look at verse 16. This is Habakkuk now. This sounds depressing. I listened and my stomach churned. The sound made my lips quiver. My frame went limp as if my bones were decaying, and I shook as, as I tried to walk. I long for the day of distress to come upon the people who attack us. So, when you read between the lines, what you see here is you have to trust God with your future and roll with the punches. This is exactly what Habakkuk does. When you look at what he says, what he's saying, he says, I know the events coming are going to be bad. Okay, they're going to be horrible. Let's be real. It's going to be horrible. Life under the Babylonians will not be pleasant. But look at what he says here. In verse, let's look at verse 16 again. He's talking about listening to God. He says, I listened and my stomach turned. The sound made my lips quiver. My frame went limp as, my, as if my bones were decaying. I shook as I tried to walk. But then the end of this verse makes the rest of it, it gives the rest of it context. I long for the day of distress to come upon the people who attack us. In other words, man, what's coming is going to be rough, God. Oh, it's going to be horrible. I'm shaking in my boots just thinking about it. But I'm looking forward to the day you fulfill your promise and you take these boys out. You, you take care of it. You end them. You end their situation. Is that God calling? Um, so when you look at this, Habakkuk's example is truly, truly remarkable that he's trusting in the sovereignty of God. Because how many of us have God said, okay, I tell you what, for the nation to get straight here, we're going to have the Chinese or whoever you pick to come in and run your nation. But eventually, I'm going to, I'm going to run them out. I don't think any of us would be going, we would not be happy about it. But Habakkuk's not happy. You're not always going to be happy. But he trusts God. He trusts God. And he knows that no matter what they go through, God is going to take care of it. And ultimately, that's where we have to be. Despite the impending calamity and the uncertainties, he chose to trust God wholeheartedly. And that, my friends, is what's going to get him through what's going to happen. What you're dealing with, what will get you through it, is trusting God. Because if you don't, what, do you, what are you holding on to? What hope do you have? You have none. See, his trusting God empowered him to face the difficulties that he was going to face, knowing that God was in control. Habakkuk showed us that trusting God doesn't mean we're going to be exempt from the bad things. In other words, God didn't say, tell you what, Habakkuk, you're one of the good ones, okay? And I know some of your buddies are too, so I tell you what, when the Babylonians come in, they're not going to be able to touch you. You guys get a free pass. Nope, they're going to suffer right along with the evil. Trusting God enables us to navigate through difficult times with a sense of peace and assurance. When we surrender our plans and our desires to God, 
and place our trust in his perfect will, we align ourselves with his purposes and we open ourselves up to, to his guidance and his provision. Let's face it, folks, and I think pretty much any generation can say this, but I think it's safe to say we're facing some uncertain times in our country today. So what are you going to do about it? Going to take up arms? Or are you going to trust God's in control? You're going to trust God knows what he's doing. See, embracing uncertainty is not easy. But through these uncertain times, God often works the most powerfully. The most, the most, difficult, the most difficult times allows us to see the wake-up call. When we let go of our need to control and allow God to lead, we position ourselves to experience his faithfulness and to see his plan unfold in ways that we could have never imagined. That's what's cool about God. Things that you never thought or even imagined could happen, God can make them happen. Like Habakkuk, we have to be willing to trust God and roll with the punches, because that's exactly what he did. He says, okay, God, I trust you. I know you're going to take it. I'm just going to roll with it. He's not going to fret about it anymore. We need the courage to surrender our own agendas and cling to God's sovereignty. In doing so, we'll find strength, peace, and joy of experience in his presence, even amid difficult times in our life. Because if you don't have him as an anchor, what do you got? Where's your peace going to come from? The answer is you won't. It won't. You won't. I hope that we're inspired by Habakkuk's unwavering faith as we see what he's doing and that we learn to trust God's sovereignty, to surrender our plans to him, to embrace the uncertainty, marching beside God knowing, or actually marching behind God, knowing that he's in control so that we can witness an incredible work in our life. Our application this morning is this. Think of ways to remember God's faithfulness. Write them down. Tell other people. Revisit them when you are discouraged and you're struggling in your faith. God instructed Habakkuk to write things down. And see, when you write things down, you have something to go back to. We can do this a number of ways. Journaling, writing in the margins of your Bible, which you can write in your Bible, by the way. It's not against the law. It can help you remember what God has spoken and said to you and done for you in the past. There is an ancient Chinese proverb, and man, these guys are pretty sharp with these. The faintest ink is more powerful than the strongest memory. And when you think about that, that's a powerful truth. Ask yourself, how many memories or thoughts have you had that you've forgotten because they weren't written down? And as I get older, those seem to be getting more. (laughs) What are some of the funny things your children did or said that you don't remember? Meaningful things a family member did or a friend said that you don't remember? Many times we look at loved ones' old Bibles, typically when they pass, and we read the notes in the margin, and we kind of get an insight into their heart. In the world of technology that we have today, and me, if I wrote it down, I'd need the Holy Spirit to to interpret it because my handwriting's atrocious. It's getting worse by the year. But there's a lot of ways you can do it. Blogs, documents, digital notebooks, social media. I love it on Facebook when a cool memory comes up, don't you? That's one of the the good things about Facebook. You see these, these memories, and we need these with God. So take some time during your week. Jot things down that God's doing in your life. Some of the blessings you have. Write down your testimony. Write down the experiences you've had in his presence. Take notes. You never know when those moments are going to be the thing that pull you through the difficulty that you're facing. In uncertain times, it's crucial to remember who God is, who God is, to recall his past acts, and to trust him with your future and just roll with the punches. Our faith and trust in God will sustain us through every trial and hardship. 
holding fast to his promises, knowing that he'll never leave us, will help pull us through. This morning, our praise team is going to come and lead us in a song of decision. And if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come forward this morning to do that. God has done so many great things, and he has, we have such a history of what he's done. And my prayer is this morning that if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, will be the day that you do that, that you can bring him into your life, that you can make him the center of your life, that it can change who you are and change your destiny and change your eternal destiny. This morning, if you need to make a decision for Jesus, we'll invite you to come forward this morning. We're going to sing a song of decision. We invite you to come forward during that time. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. Maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you're doubting, don't really know what's going on with God, and you need some prayer. If you come forward, be glad to pray with you this morning. But if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come forward this morning as we sing their song of decision, Reckless Love, together. Let's stand as we sing. Chases me down, fights till I'm found. Leave. 
don't earn it and I don't deserve it still you give yourself away Shadow your light up, mountain your climb up, coming after me. Though all you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Though shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Shadow, you won't light up, mountain, you won't climb up, coming after me. Throw wall, you won't kick down, lie, you won't tear down, coming after me. seated. You can stand up though. What a joy this morning. Allison Binkley. This young lady's coming forward to give her life to Christ and um, her dad's going to baptize her today. I'm sure she's been good so you don't have to hold her down very long. So, Allison, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Amen. And based on your confession, if you could kick you, you're going to get baptized by your dad into Christ this morning. Amen. We'll go back and do that.
Testimony, one, two, three. We've got to practice our testimonies. Baptism. Every time a baptism comes about, I, I always am remembered of my baptism. Think about yours. What was the day like? Who were you with? But more importantly, what did God do? Scriptures are full of references of water baptism. 1 John 5, 16 says, Baptism, which corresponds with this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. It's what God does. It's not what we do. What a wonderful thing. I had the privilege years ago to baptize Donna's stepdaughter. I will always remember that day. Stepped down into the baptismal waters to pray and to say the words and then to gently put her down into the water and bring her up to new life. What an experience. Today, Dad, you have that experience too. I can't be cold. Really? That's weird. It's got a heater. All right. At this, at this time, Allison comes forward to be baptized into Christ. And her dad gets the privilege of doing that. And based on her confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jeff will now baptize her in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. believe that was cold. I have to check the heater. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful thing to lead into our communion because we have a new life who's one with Christ. And when we take our communion time, when we do during our communion time, we're expressing our oneness with Christ together as a body of believers with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of which Allison is now a part of that. And we're so thankful. We're so thankful for that. As you take your cup and the bread this morning, just remember what it symbolizes. It symbolizes the death, the burial, the resurrection, the blood that Jesus shed, the pain he went through so that you could have eternal life. Some people think that they're going to be good people and that they're going to be good enough to earn it. You can't earn your way into heaven. You get there by the blood of Jesus. And we're going to be partaking in that together this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for the new life that we have in Christ, Lord. And we're so thankful that we can have this time of remembrance following that so that we can remember who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray that as we take the elements this morning, we can do so with a heart of joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
of your bulletin, we have announcements for this week. Um, Jerry does not have youth activities today. Um, Roger's group is meeting. The office is closed for Labor Day. Lori's Bible study begins Wednesday, so if you're a part of that, make sure you're here for that at uh, 10 a.m. The Narrow Path is going to be meeting here at 8 a.m. on Saturday. We'll leave at 8.30 for the Total Wreck Mine on Empire Ranch. Sunshine Ladies are going to meet at Culver's. Um, we see announcements about Peach's Pantry. We're accepting food donations for them. Operation Christmas Child's looking for small toys. Our next prime time is going to be at the Golden Dragon on the 15th, and uh, we'll make sure the online uh, sign-up reflects that. Uh, we've got a, a family that's looking to try to get some people to go to Israel in the next couple years, so you can see an announcement about that. So we encourage you to look at your announcements this week. On the back of your bulletin, we have our prayers, and uh, it was really neat today. Whoops, hold on, there we go. It was really neat because one of our members, Ruth, um, Ruth has been out for a long time, um, almost, a, almost a year, and she was able to be back at church this morning, so we were all good. That was Ruth Levette, so. She was in a very bad car accident, and so she's tough. She's been through a couple of those, and I'm like, I don't want to meet her in a dark alley because she's a tough lady. But anyway, uh, we want to thank everybody who volunteers at First Christian. We appreciate the work that you put in. You know, some churches have very few people who do everything. In this church, we have a lot of people doing a lot of things, and we're thankful for that. We couldn't do what we do without you. We have a lot of other concerns. Please keep Ken Martin in your prayers. He'll be healing for the next few weeks from his surgery. Um, Roger Snyder is at a rehab facility. Trudy Munn's still in the one here in town. And then we've got a few others that we've been praying for. We have troops who are deployed. We have shut-ins that we've been praying for. We're also focusing in on Santa on the West End project as one of our outreaches. And then we focus on all the missions this month. So we ask that you take the bulletin home and be in prayer for the folks who are on our list. So at this time, let's stand together. And uh, I'll have a cl uh, closing prayer. And uh, the band will lead us out with a song. Father, we're so thankful that we could be together today. And we thank you for that blessing. And I pray that as we live, this, as our, as we live life this week, Lord, that we live it with joy and conviction. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.